How would it feel to have a thriving fitness business and have the freedom to enjoy life at the fullest? Well, that is exactly what the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show is going to give you. My name is Matthew Park. This is Amy Filer. Hey, guys. And we are here to serve. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Filer, and I am joined this afternoon by Mr. John Briggs, author of Profit First for Micro Gyms, owner of the Insight Tax Program. My gosh, what don't you? Oh, and most recently, of course, what we're going to be talking about today is the 3.3 uh, rule for productivity and, and really avoiding burnout altogether. How yeah. are you, John? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. It's our pleasure. So my first question is, you're the tax guy. What business do you have writing a book about time management, sir? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it, that's a great question. Uh, I probably don't. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, awesome. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So as an accountant, our industry, it does not treat accountants very well. Mm -hmm. um, they... The model is literally to force someone to have such a terrible experience that they will leave the accounting industry within three to five years. Mm. Um, and they just work people to death. 60 hours, 70 hours on average is, is what they do. And, you know, before people like start checking out, what I realized as I was trying to figure out how do I change the industry is we're not unique. Uh, attorneys, software engineers, fitness professionals, uh, come to find out, we all have a tendency to believe in this idea of the hustle culture. And the only way to be successful is to work yourself to death. Um, and so it initially started with, I wanted to solve the industry. I wanted to have, provide a good environment to my for my accountants so they stayed around longer. And it kind of just evolved into, yeah, these are just good science-backed time management principles that I should probably share. I love that. And I love that you brought the science with the application as well and kind of married the two. And that's a perfect place to start. Um, on our platinum presentation, which was absolutely incredible, one of the first things you went over was that there is no work-life balance, but in fact, what you refer to it as is work-life harmony. And I would love for you to explain that philosophy. Yeah. So we think about balance and honestly, people approach work-life balance because they think it's the solution to these problems that we all know exist. Subconsciously, we're like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep working this hard. But uh, everyone else is saying, this is how it is. I got to follow this path. So the solution, work-life balance, let's talk about work-life balance. And that's the solution. No, it, it, it's not that case because first of all, what encompasses our world is more than two words of work and life. Sure. In addition to that, if I have a bad day, like if I have an argument with my spouse in the morning, I'm likely going to carry some of that with me. When we know science-wise, adrenaline-wise, I'm physically carrying that with me yep. when I come into work. It's going to affect my work. <clears throat> if I have a upset client hit me up right at the end of the workday. And I think that person's being completely irrational. I get to take that home with me. So work affects life, life affects work, life affects work, which means it can't be separate. It's one in the same. You can't separate something. You can't balance something 
they can't be separated. And so I've, I've never loved the idea. <clears throat> what we want to do is as an acknowledgement with work-life harmony is that all of it is us and we need both pieces or the multiple pieces of our life to play with each other uh, in a way so that it uplifts everything. My work done the right way can uplift my life and my life approach the right way can uplift my work. Yeah. Let's, let's get to that state. The, the way you express that makes it sound so much more desirable than work-life balance anyway. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I, I think I read it. I forget what book it was, but it was essentially, uh, if you think of work or life as a bowl of water, then even one drop of food coloring colors the entire bowl. So if you're trying to spend time with your significant other and you're on the couch watching TV, but you're on your phone on Instagram, you might think that that's quality time, but you've officially colored the water of, of quality time, right? Yeah, that might have been from uh, the five love languages because uh, quality time is a yeah. love language that we have, yeah. right? And yeah, it's interesting. If love, if quality time isn't my love language, hey, I'm physically with you. We're spending quality time together. Like, yeah. no, we're not. Get off your right. freaking phone and let's have a conversation. That's quality. exactly time versus energy, right? What they're asking for is quality energy, not quality time. Yeah, good point. So you brought up some fantastic examples. Speaking of the, you know, push, glide, push, glide in your presentation. Uh, one of them was your family's hay fields. The other one was bowel movements. And <laughs> I would just love for you to uh, kind of naturally flow into how life has these waxes and wanes anyway. Yeah. So there's a lot of natural cycles. And <clears throat> a lot of times we find that science ends up backing up something that we can naturally see in the world. Uh, when we can do that, we feel really good that we found some sort of eternal principle, if you will. But so I grew up in Missouri and uh, my dad was what I would call a hobby farmer. So we didn't have any cows. He did buy a donkey. and <laughs> I don't know why, but we had a donkey. Sale. Couldn't quite afford yeah. a cow. So we'll just, yeah, we'll get the discount cow. Her name was Popcorn. And uh, my neighbor though had a big uh, operation with milk. And so he had a lot of dairy cows. So they would rent our fields for the hay. And what we found is that they would use the field for three years in a row. And then in the fourth year, they'd burn it and let it rest for an entire year. Like, that's that's interesting. They just have shown that that's the best way to keep nutrients dense uh, with hay that the cow eat. And apparently that provides better milk. I don't know. Right. Um, we talked about bowel movements. If you eat food, guess what? It will eventually come out. Even if you're constipated, it does eventually come out. It has to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you drink liquid, same thing. Uh, you know, in the fitness world, I work out, I tear down my muscles. If I want that muscle to get stronger, I got to give it a recovery period. And so there's a natural cycle to focus, recovery, focus, recovery. Yeah. And I think that's really important to note. That's what your body does anyway. So, you know, for those people who think that, yo, I can go 12 hours, no problem. And then I'll just, you know, I'll sleep for whatever. I'll spend a couple hours with my significant other and then sleep for six to eight. That's not what your body wants, even if your mind thinks it's okay. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, if I work out three times a week, an hour at a time, I've roughly 12 hours of exercise you know what? I'm going to be efficient this month. I'm just going to do 12 
straight hours of exercise, and then I'll take the rest of the month off. Like, we know that that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, we have to have a natural cycle. It can't just be giant bulks of things. Yep, 100%. So, so tease us about it, John. What is the 3.3 rule? What have you figured out from science and evidence and anecdotes that's the best ebb and flow for our lives? Yeah, so starting with the natural cycle that we, we talked, just talked about, uh, the Princeton Neuroscience Institute found that our brain automatically goes from a state of focus to distractibility, focus, distractibility. That's a natural cycle. So then I saw one of the foundational pieces of the science with the 3.3 rule came from a study done by a guy named Alejandro Yeras out of the University of Illinois Champaign. And at the time, everybody seemed to be wanting to figure out how long is our attention span? And he said, we're asking the wrong questions. I think what we need to realize is like, my attention is on something. Hey, I'm daydreaming. That means your attention is on the daydream. You, you didn't have an attention span and now it's gone. You just, right. our attention is always focused on something. Mm. So he said, hmm, okay. So let's throw out that question. How do we get to where, what's the next thing? So he started looking at studies that showed physical stimulus eventually becomes neutralized by our bodies. Uh, one of those easiest Examples to think about is the clothes that we're wearing. We wake up in the morning, we put it on. At a, some point, our brain stops telling us you have weight on top of your skin. Um, and now that we are talking about it, we can bring our mind back to the, how that fabric actually feels on our body. And now the stimulus is back. Well, he said, I wonder if the same thing that's going on physically goes on in our mind as well. So he put together some studies if someone's mind is stimulated for a consistent amount of time, will the brain eventually neutralize that stimulus, meaning making it almost impossible to focus on whatever they were initially focusing on. Right. And that is true. So what he basically found was the group that produced the most in their studies were ones that were intentionally forced to stop thinking about whatever they were trying to focus on. And they were the most productive. Um, and so, we, that's where we get this natural cycle of science. It goes into the 3.3 rule, which states the most efficient workday consists of working up to three hours at a time, followed by a 30% recovery period. So if I work 30 minutes, I'd take 30% of the 30 minutes off. I'd take 10 minutes off. Mm -hmm. Whatever the length of time that you were able to focus, take 30% of that off as a break, an intentional break where you do nothing. So that you have this natural cycle of push and recover, push and recover. And we have found that people are much more productive following that method. That's amazing. So you brought up an interesting point. You said up to three hours. And again, you spoke about this a little bit on your presentation. There are different styles of workers. You, you mentioned the ones that come to mind right away are the Zen master and the sprinter. So yeah. can you talk about people's different work and rest styles? Yeah. So we, first, let me say we wanted the rule to be set up in a way. So it's very principle driven as opposed to a straight, like let's fit everyone into some sort of box and every, and yeah. some sort of checklist because you and I might have natural tendencies. Well, if you naturally focus longer than I can focus, that doesn't mean you're wrong or I'm right or vice versa. We need to adapt to our own natural tendencies. So a sprinter is someone who naturally 
just is like, yeah, after a short amount of time, I'm going to need a break. You know, some people are like, oh, you're so OCD or ADD. Like, why do we need to put a label on it? Oh, I like that. You you identified that this is the length of time you can focus. Cool. Then take a break. And the science supports that when you're done with the 30% of that time, go back and do another short little sprint. So that's why we call them sprinters. And the Zen master is someone who feels like they have a natural tendency to be able to sit and focus on something for up to three hours. Now, because even we have some people, like even me, if you put me in front of financial numbers and ask me to forecast, I probably wouldn't have um, a, a conscious meltdown of doing that for eight hours in a row. Right. But the science does support that after three hours, I'm going to be a lot suckier at doing that forecasting. Yeah. So that's why we cap it at three hours, even for the Zen master, even if you can focus for that long or you feel like longer, still cap yourself at three hours, give yourself that recovery period. You will come back and be much more effective and productive. I love that. So John, out of curiosity, how do we, how do we reconcile this with, um, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher his name. Mikhail Chiksent Mikhaili's idea about flow and allowing that to come to us for six, seven, or eight hours. And that's natural for us as well. Yeah, I, th I think depending on the task and most tasks aren't gonna fall into a scenario where you can flow for six to seven, eight hours. Okay. Um, but that's why I want it principle-based so that if I am in a flow state, that I am maximizing the productivity of that flow state. Um, it's, I think there's just a difference of opinion, probably. I don't actually know if he has science that supports the six to seven hours. Yeah. And it's also different, like, if I'm doing some sort of mental recovery or scenario like that, where it's like get into a flow state, like a meditative state for six to seven hours, that's completely different than saying I'm engaging my brain in a work activity. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think we just need to make sure we're, we have a, enough awareness around those two different things. I like that. I like how you differentiated that. So I guess my next question is, can you have different styles for different tasks? Like, for example, I absolutely love sales calls. So I would love to use the three hours on to take maybe three or four sales calls and then a break. But when it comes to doing check-ins or programming, I'm like a sprinter. Like I don't want, so is yeah. that also okay to use or does that confuse my brain? Yeah. A hundred percent natural. <clears throat> and that's, so there's a good work and this kind of goes into the flow state. There's a book by Cal Newport called deep work. And in it, he talks about there's deep work and then there's shallow work. And he kind of says, we all need to get to a place where we're only doing deep work. Mm. If you are a fitness professional and in charge of a business or you know, even if it's just you and you're serving other people, there are functions in what you need to do to have a successful business that will never, ever, ever be deep work. It's the nature of having a business. Right. You can't right. avoid them. Right. And so we definitely need to identify what are the tasks that work for me and don't work for me and be open because there's no judgment on it. Sure. It's like someone else is like, I love checklists and it's awesome. But you, you know, I love sales calls. I don't love sales calls. So the last thing I want to do yeah. is be on a sales call. And so I would be the flip of you. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. that's totally fine too, which is awesome because then you can find team members who maybe have a natural inclination to do the one, the things that you don't want to do. 
Um, but yeah, for sure, we all have tasks in our life that aren't necessarily our favorite. And adopting a different approach, like being a sprinter, can help us get through that in the most productive way possible. Yeah, great answer. What is what is your style, John? What are you? Um, I am probably more of a jogger naturally, a, okay. which is a person in the middle. So hour and a half to two hours is a pretty natural rotation for me. But again, it does depend on the task. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's like, I want to know generally what I am, but I also want to give myself permission to adapt based on the certain, the, the different things. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And what does rest look like? Again, even rest similar to work could look different for different people. So how do you categorize rest? Yeah. It's so when you're saying that I'm, I'm imagining a guy, I was, I met this guy in Argentina and we were talking and he was talking about resting. And he gave an example of he was working on a construction site and his the the boss had had him had him just sweeping the floor from dust for like hours. He's like, dude, my body hurts. I need a break. He's like, cool, go over there and do this task, which allowed him to sit and do a use a different muscle group. (laughs) Right. That is not. Rest and recovery just because it's a different muscle group. So when we're saying rest, we are saying actual rest recovery. If I do a tax return as an accountant and then I then jump to my email because now I'm doing something different, I'm resting. No, we do not want to stimulate our mind in the same way that that other work activity was stimulating it. So we ask people to take a true unstructured, like no guilt, not work don't work during that break period. So we kind of talked about this on our previous call this morning. Um, Things like flipping through TikTok, social media, YouTube shorts, that even games like Candy Crush, those types of phone app games, all those games stimulate the same type of dopamine and addictive nature that gambling does. Not a great thing to do for our brain if we're trying to rest and recover. You want to do those things, awesome. Don't do that as part of your 30% recovery period, though. Do that Absolutely. on the life side of your right of the harmony that we're looking for. Um, so, yeah, we want people to take actual breaks. Don't stimulate your mind. Don't do anything that's going to get your heart rate up. Like, uh, you know, social media posts can do that for some people. News articles can do that for others. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise is a great thing. Walking, meditation, just talking to someone about whatever the heck you want. All those things are are great things to do, creative things, drawing. You just, you, you want to give your brain the release from the focus that it had. Right. Right. So what are some good examples? What can I do? What is good rest? What does that involve? So good rest is going to be, first of all, at least 30% of the time you worked and you're going to do it in a way that doesn't stimulate your mind so that when you come back, because that's the goal, you come back ready to focus. Your brain's like, boom, I went through my natural cycle of dis- distractibility and focus. Let's get back to it. Um, I personally, my favorite thing to do is take a nap right here on the floor. A little 10 minute nap is awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, that's a great thing to do. I have uh, one of the guys I introduced the idea to, he walked during his break, lost 20 pounds over the course of six months. Wow. Okay. Just, just by walking. Yep. Um Again, anything creative, if you like to draw, even, you know, my kids color 
honestly, if you enjoy coloring, color. then color. So great. great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So uh, you brought up a really good point. You said one of your guys has gone for a walk and that's his uh, his break completely detached. And you mentioned on our call, you went from, I believe it was 70 employees to 165 between the last time we had you on Platinum and now. How do you implement this in your business, which has bookends, right? You don't want your people at work 12 to 14 hours a day. And how can we implement this as online trainers that don't have bookends? Yeah. So um, the way we implement it, uh, you first have to introduce the idea because mm -hmm. what happens, we're just so conditioned on this. This is how it is path. And so I can tell you, I got a lot of weird looks for my team. I'm like, just take breaks. Okay. But like, is that just doing a different task and activity? Uh -huh. What do you mean? Like, I mean, absolutely do nothing if that's what you want to do. And that's going to be, you, you wait, just fire me. If you're going to fire me, I don't want wait, to, it's too right? good to be true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you got to work through that because we are reconditioning a century of just habitual behavior, not based on science. So let's, uh, let, let's give them permission. Let's take breaks. That permission really that it's amazing how much guilt we hold mm. when it's like, I really just need a break, but I know I'm supposed to be working. Well, do you know you're supposed to be working? Who's telling you to do that? The science isn't telling you to do that. Let's, let's accept the science. Um, and so then we kind of let our team, they have their schedules, right? We have some who like to come in early, some who like to stay late. We have others who work remotely. And so they have like family responsibilities in the afternoon. It's just a matter of giving them the flexibility and permission to use the rule in a way that we say work up to three hours, then take a break. Yeah. And so if I don't have defined bookends uh, and I'm an online trainer, you still just, it's completely principle based. So you might then search your awareness and say, I am most productive this time of the day then you're going to want to plan a work block around that time of the day that you're the most productive and then take a break afterwards. And if that 30% recovery period becomes a longer recovery period, just because you now have other life things to do, that's also awesome. What we really just want to avoid is someone thinking they're being super productive when they're working for more than three hours straight. Cause at yeah. the end of the day, all you're doing is being busy. Right. Which and is diminishing like, returns. You also mentioned the quality of your work goes down anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like just honor that you need a break and take the break. You'll be happier for it. Amazing. So guys, you heard it here first. John says, build a futon in your home office because that's the best way to go about it or go for a walk because you lose 20 pounds. <laughs> I don't see, I mean, the, both of those sound incredible. I don't know why someone wouldn't use the 3.3 rule. This right. Is <laughs> um, so no, but on a serious note, John take breaks also on a, that's, so that's on like a strategic perspective, but on a psychological perspective, that last thing you said was so profound, remove the guilt, shame, pressure, supposed to shoulds from this hustle culture that we're told we have to have. Yeah. There, look, the only thing that supports the hustle culture is the shiny objects and the mm -hmm. selfies and guess what? Those people that you're aspiring to, they have miserable lives, most of them. Yeah. Right. But oh, look how successful they are. Well, let maybe we need to redefine success. Yeah. Right. Instead of chasing that, like it really, you 
the, your definition of success is that you have a million people who love everything that you say. That is what you need to feel good about yourself. Yeah. Like let's much healthier world. If we all find that contentment inside of ourselves and then awesome. If the million followers happen, cool. But then I don't get affected when, you know, if you have that many followers, you get trolled. There's going to be enough haters out there. Uh, Cause sometimes people are just mean, yeah. you know, find that internal contentment. I think the 3.3 rule helps us do that a lot better than just chasing those guys who have fake airplanes and cars that aren't even theirs that they're taking pictures in front of like enough with the hustle culture. I see your next book being something about mindset and, and, and self-worth, sir. Here we go <laughs> in, the, in the guru space. I don't want to write another book. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, John, where can people find you? Where can they buy your book? Uh, remind us. Yeah. So the book is the 3.3 rule. If you go to Amazon and type in the 3.3 rule, you should be able to find it. Um, you can check out some stuff. We have a bunch of free resources at 33rulebook.com. Uh, obviously I can't put the 0.3 in it because of the way the internet URLs work. So 33rulebook.com. Um, those are great ways to check out some more info on this. And where can people find you? Uh, I'm everywhere. You, I'm uh -huh. on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to our my tax firm's website, insighttax.com. Um, yeah, if you, John Briggs, like you should be able to find me somewhere. Amazing. And guys, as always, I'm at J-A-I-M-9-1, James 91. We are at Trainer Revenue Multiplier on Facebook, Instagram. Please come find us. And if you like what you heard today, number one, go buy John's book. Uh, number two, please follow us, like us, rate, share, subscribe. We appreciate all the enthusiasm. And until next episode, have the best rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Trainer Revenue Multiplier show. If you love today's episode, head on over to Trainer Revenue Multiplier on the iTunes and Spotify and subscribe to the show today. Take a screenshot with your phone of this episode and share on your social media and let us know any questions you may have, things you enjoyed about the show or things you want to see more of coming down the pipeline and tag us at Trainer Revenue Multiplier on your social media. And if you are looking for more real money-making, business-building things to help you grow to the next level in your business, have your more income and have you working smarter and harder in your business, then head on over to trmshow.com to book your free 30-minute business building call today. We look forward to hearing from you, serving you, and of course, delivering more impact for your business. Have a great day. Take care. Let's keep growing.